Hello, and welcome to the Cedars Arts and Entertainment Podcast. That is a working title. I did not know what else to call this podcast. Uh, But I am one of your hosts, Ben Hyatt. I am the Arts and Entertainment Editor for Cedars. And I'm joined today by two fine gentlemen sitting across the table from me. Well, across and next to, as you can all see in the podcast world. And I want to let them introduce themselves. I'm Sam Acosta. I am a writer for the arts and entertainment section of Cedars. So very excited to be here. Any fun facts about yourself? I had water today for lunch, and it was probably the first time I've had water in a couple weeks. So that, I think that's a fun fact. <laughs> Did you have anything else for lunch? or <laughs> my, my Chick-fil-A sandwich with uh, extra pickles. Okay. My six pickles. I was going to you know, say mad respect either way, but cool. Yeah. And um, anything else you'd like to add, Sam, or should we move on to the next fine gentleman? I think this next fine gentleman deserves to be introed Shoot. very soon. Yeah, um, I'm Josh. I'm just uh, I was just picked off off like just picked up off the street, and I'm here at this podcast. Do you want right? to describe the story of how <laughs> I recruited you to this podcast? Absolutely. Josh? So, um, I, ironically, I live very close by to this Ben Hyatt person, right? And so some would say next door. All, some would say next door. But even still, I, I recall I recall it was the night before I was sitting in my chair, just minding my own business. I, at the time, I was just doodling, doing some doodles, you know, just a late night doodle session. And then my door just burst open. I was like, OK, well, who's this man? Like, who, who's visiting my room at 12 in the morning? Then I see I see this face just peek out of the door with glasses. It's like, wait, who? <laughs> Who is this? And then, then you know, he steps in. Like, oh, this, that's that's just Ben Hyatt, the and one ben, and only. Then, and then Ben Hyatt says, you know, he he just cuts straight to the point. He says, I, I saw this movie, uh, Shang Chi. Have you seen this movie? I said, well, well, I just got back from watching it a few hours ago. And he said, that's incredible. I want you on my podcast. That's a very idealized version <laughs> of the story. If you want to know the truth, I think. I talked to you for like what, like fifteen minutes, just about life. That's like right. Walking in your room. We actually had a. And then I was closing the door. That's right. And I stared at you for like fifteen seconds, while my mind was processing the idea that was forming in my head. Right. And then finally, right before the door closed, I opened it a little and I said, "Hey, Josh, would you, would you like to be on a podcast episode I'm doing tomorrow?" And you said yes. Yes. And that's, that's right. Why you're here. That's right. So that's that's, that's much, the real story. I think that's pretty much what you texted me. That is, yeah. Because yeah. I had no idea who was, I was just showing up, and then you're like, hey, Josh Walden's joining us. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> well, now you do. You guys now have met. That's right. Yeah. That's right. This is a good time. It's going to be good. It's going to yeah. be good. We're going to get, have some good friendship forming time talking about this movie. That's right. Which, Sam, would you like to tell the listeners what movie we're talking about today? I would love to. Today we're talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the recent Marvel movie that came out this past weekend. So. That is true. We are talking about Shang Chi. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've never, d- I've, I've never done a movie review in podcast form before. Me before. neither. Yeah. So I was thinking, based on my experience with other movie podcasts, uh, we could start first and foremost with non-spoilers, just our general impressions of the movie. Right. Right. That doesn't mean we can't talk about like different elements, but like nothing, no major reveals. Um, not that this movie necessarily has huge twists. It has some good implications, though, I think. Yeah, it builds yes, on things yes. in ways that yeah, we probably don't want to spoil for people. But 
I asked you a question just now, Sam. Did you? Yeah, what the movie <laughs> was. So now I'm going to turn to Josh. Right. And ask him a question. Okay. What were your general impressions of this movie? What okay. What did you take away? Yeah. Wow. Um, it's a big question. First and foremost, yeah, that, that is a big question. Just to break it down, I'm typically not like super into Marvel movies, and I say that in the sense that I find that um, majority of Marvel movies are, you know, they're pretty good, but they're not incredible. They're, they're not standalone masterpieces. Mm. So I went in with that mindset going in to watch this movie, and I was impressed. I will say Shang-Chi very much does such a good job as a standalone Marvel movie. Mm. I found it to be very entertaining, very engaging, engaging, and I found that the plot for the movie was just it was a good standalone plot, you know, good a good story overall and almost didn't even feel like a Marvel movie for a good portion of it until like towards the end. Yeah, no, I um, I would agree. Yeah, I, I would say it's a good movie. Nice. I don't know. Cool story, that, bro. Did that answer the question? That, that was I, a good answer. Yeah, I okay. kind of just threw out a very vague yeah. question. It's, you, it's really hard to tackle it from you know different angles. But yeah, especially like an overview before we get into yeah. the specifics. Yeah, Sam, but, do you yeah. have any general impressions you took away? Uh, I agree. It was a great movie. Yeah. Um, I kind of view this as the first movie of Phase 4. I know technically Black Widow right. was. Was but it technically? I, it was technically. Technically, yeah. But since it was a pre- like prequel. yeah. It's it, it's, it's not. This it's is not. this is the true next. This phase. is the true the next true phase. next phase. For and I think it's one of the strongest starts to a phase. Like it's mm. it was a real good I agree. movie. Do yeah. we know what other movies have been the starts of like different phases? I feel like Age of Ultron was one of them. Uh, you know what? Would you like to look that up? I can I can look up. that up if yeah. you'd like to talk great. a little bit more about your impressions. Oh yeah. I don't mind most MCU movies. They are. Good, fun experiences, I think, usually to watch like once or twice. And the best thing I see about them normally is how they build the bigger story of the universe. Right. And how they build up to something really big, which we saw in like Infinity War and Endgame. I think what I liked about this movie is it like was its own movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there are ways, and we'll talk about those later, about how like it connected into the greater MCU. But first and foremost, it was its own story. Mm-hmm. Why I say that is the emotional undercurrent of the story. Like there's a central story within this movie about generally just about like family. Yeah. And how your family shapes you and how those relationships can change you based on whether they're positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie actually had something to say. I think a good number of MCU movies also have something to say, but like a lot of them can end right. up just being a fun action movie with cool superheroes and good effects and right. fun characters, but they don't necessarily have like a theme that you take away. And I feel like this one, what stood out to me the most it was that it had ideas it explored and themes that it actually built through the right. story. If and that makes just sense. to add on on that, yeah, it just felt very clear about what it was trying to communicate. Mm. Like you can even go back and look at say guardians of the galaxy where, it brought up the idea of, you know, what is, like, your family, right? Mm. Mm. About this ragtag group, you know, forming a family, right? But it wasn't clear-cut. It wasn't, I wouldn't say, as clear as Shang-Chi was. Like, Shang-Chi, I very much felt from the very beginning, like, this is a story about a dysfunctional family, Mm. in a sense, you know? Yeah. The story is kind of built around that. Mm -hmm. It was different in that the characters, like, explicitly talked about those ideas Mm -hmm. and what they meant to them. And 
how they were struggling through or grappling through the family issues, basically. Yeah. So, I think another thing that made this movie so strong compared to a lot of other ones is simply the chemistry that the actors had. Mm. Like, because yeah. you have a lot of like those superhero duos that they're iconic, yeah. but they don't always have like super great chemistry. Yeah. But Shang Chi and Katie, mm. like right from the get go, it felt like a buddy cop movie where you could really believe that they were friends instead of like being like this like forced friendship if that makes sense yeah yeah that i think some marvel movies have suffered from where like they put two people together and they're a team but they don't feel like there's any chemistry between them and it's just like two superheroes yeah i during the movie like a bad movie goer actually took notes on my phone and Oof. I turned the brightness down Oof. as much as I could. And I tried to do it as minimally as possible. But I just felt like I needed to make sure I remembered some important things. And one of the notes I took that I remember taking is um, the chemistry between the actors is palpable, but in the best way. And I was talking specifically about like what you said, Shang-Chi and Katie. They feel like friends first before anything else and in the best possible way. It felt like I was watching two people who had known each other for 10 years mm-hmm. and were like actual friends in yeah. real life. Not oh, we're playing friends in a movie and we have nice funny quips that we say back and forth and it feels very scripted, which I think some MCU movies, especially earlier on, could maybe have the tendency to feel that way in the dialogue. Like it'd be like, oh, that's a really good comeback, but a person in real life would not have all these comebacks all the time and they wouldn't be speaking only in one-liners. And that's what I liked about this movie in terms of like the tone. I think the, the dynamics between the actors, it felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. and even though they were like doing crazy superhero stuff it felt like for the most part it felt like r- real people yeah talking i would say i would recommend people go see this movie that's the first thing i'm going to say and i would say for me this is a solid eight out of ten um it's not a perfect movie i mean i don't think there's really many movies that are but it was better than i thought it was going to be and i was entertained throughout all of it I guess for me, um, if we're rating this against you know other Marvel movies, definitely an eight, eight or nine for me. Mm. Um, against other Marvel movies, but in terms of a you know a movie itself, I'd say definitely around like probably a seven, mm. seven or you know upper six point, you know whatever technicality. But I would say about a seven out of ten. So if you're judging it against actual cinema. <laughs> is that the point you're making, Joe? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 so if we're, if we're seeing 10 as like a, a masterpiece Okay, film. Martin Scorsese. I hear you. <laughs> uh, it's a solid 7. Solid 7. Okay. I respect that. Yeah. I'm going to give my grade in terms of Marvel movies. Okay. okay. I'm gonna, okay. As one it, should. As one should. I'm going to give it a 9. And the reason I'm going to give it a 9, dang. which it, I know that's pretty high, but the reason I'm going to give it a 9 is because I admire that it did something different. Because mm. something that I think Marvel has suffered from a lot in the past is they stick to that like Marvel formula, the mythical yeah. Marvel, the mythical formula. Marvel formula, where they're like superhero action, funny one-liners, bad guy, and then they like they just take that and, like crunch it together. It's a mad lib. and then every yeah, it's an it feels and like they, a mad they write lib. in the specific characters' names and exactly. Then the movie. Yeah, this one felt like it was unique. It felt like they really tried to make something original. And I think the fact that the actors themselves cared so much about this film, because mm. the entire time this movie was being made, you could just tell that the actors were in love with what they were doing. You don't get that from a ton of movies. Yeah. And Marvel, more than others, but still, 
not even as much as this. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that they did something original, they did something new, um, and it was really good, makes it earn a 9 out of 10 in terms of Marvel movies. I respect it. I respect it. Uh, those are our thoughts. If for any of you listeners out there who have not seen this movie yet, I would recommend you go see it. I think we all would. Absolutely. But now we're crossing the threshold. We have crossed the barrier from non-spoiler land to spoiler land. So, yeah. Do you remember that thought you had, Josh? I think we were talking about um, we were talking about the actors. Yes. We were talking about how, how they fused well with their characters. Mm. And I was talking about Tony Lee Young's uh, portrayal as Won Woo as the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Lee Young is just such a good actor. He also played in the movie as Ip Man. I think it's called The Grandmaster. It's a martial arts movie. He did a good job Isn't in that. Isn't that a franchise? Is um, it Ip Man? Yes, yes. Yeah. But Ip Man is a franchise, but this is like a separate okay. separate movie where he plays as uh, Ip Man. But um, he, he did such a good job just playing the father. Mm-hmm. I I was absolutely convinced that he, you know, he was the father of, in this case, uh, Shang Chi and Shaolin. I believe Shaolin's the sister's Shaolin, name. Yeah. yeah. Um. He just the way he portrayed his love for his wife and the conflict he really had, like being depressed about his wife's death, trying yeah. to, you know, overcome that and trying to reconcile with with loss. He just played such a convincing part in that. He he, I could feel like an emotional connection as an audience. I I thought it was somewhat. I mean, I haven't been through a situation like that, losing a wife. Um, really? But, <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, Good to know. No, but I, I it felt convincing as an audience member. It mm-hmm. just really felt like he was being, you know, he was he was trying to mourn. You know. Oh, I think he is one of the best Marvel villains mm-hmm. I have seen. Because when he was doing what he was doing, I was like, he's doing something wrong. Right. But I feel the conviction behind what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's not justified, but you can see how he's justifying himself. Mm-hmm. And you can like, at least for me, I, f- I could understand emotionally why he did most yeah. of what he did. While also still not liking him as a, mm-hmm. like knowing like, he's doing something wrong and I don't want him to yeah. succeed. He very much, as a character, presented a dichotomy right he mm. very much was this villain in quotation marks right that we were supposed to look as the bad guy but his emotions and how he felt was like i understand why he's doing this mm. and i don't really see it as wrong he's just misunderstanding yeah if you know what i'm trying to say i think it what makes him such a good villain is he didn't feel like a villain mm. a, lo- a lot of the times in yeah. the movie he felt like he was just like lost mm-hmm. and the times he where he was a villain he even had like little moments of redemption and in mm-hmm. the end he does have redemption when right. he gives Shang-Chi the rings. Yeah. But it just was interesting that a lot of times it feels like the villain has to be made like completely evil. Mm. And that's why I think this this one really stands out is cuz like I feel like it's really understandable why he did what he did even if it's like it's obviously wrong. Yeah. Like you can see how he was corrupted into doing what he did. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because, like, the very beginning of the movie is that, like, prologue about how he has the father. He's, like, this, like, warrior, this war, uh, what's it, warlord? Warlord, yeah. Uh, and he's, like, has the Ten Rings, so he's able to, like, conquer all these peoples and, like, do all this stuff. And I feel like that is your 
bottom of the barrel kind of run of the mill Marvel villain right there. It's like this person who wants power and oh yeah, and that's all you really need as a motivation. And I appreciated how like they actually, like you guys have been, like we've all been saying, they made him a real character mm-hmm. and someone you could um, uh, empathize with. Yeah. Um, what you were talking about, Sam, with the the ending and his moment of redemption, like he's basically dying and there's this like moment he and Shang-Chi share where they just look at each other. And like five minutes ago, he was like trying to like beat the crap out of his son. Yeah. And <laughs> he just looks at him and looks at him and then just hands him the rings right before he dies. And I liked how it wasn't like a big, like, Oh, now they team up and now he's on the good side. And mm-hmm. like, he's completely changed. It was just a moment where he finally realized something. And in the final moments of his life gets to do something. I mean, big in a sense, he's like allowing his son to basically save the day. Mm-hmm. But, he wasn't ultimately like the main hero of the story, but he still got his redemption in a small moment. Yeah. It felt realistic and like, not just completely like a 180 and, Oh yeah, cool. Now he's a good guy. Mm. Yay. Marvel has a tendency to hit or miss when it comes to redemptions. Mm -hmm. Like I won't say that they miss more than they hit it, but (laughs) be careful there, Sam. Yeah. I think recently some of their like redemptions are either like way too over the top, Mm-hmm. Or completely fall flat. What I'm thinking specifically is Falcon and Winter Soldier. You were thinking of Zemo, mm-hmm. uh, or no? Not even. Oh, I didn't even think of Zemo. See, I feel like some of them end up. They just kind of make it almost a joke. Like, mm-hmm. oh, now he's on their side, and he was bad before, but now you know his badness is kind of charming. But anyway, what were you gonna say? I was talking about John Walker, where Captain America. He kind like. Of. For a little bit. Yeah, he's where he's like the new Captain America, but then he's not because he takes the serum, goes crazy, and then he's like hyped up to be this villain. Yeah. And we're all like, oh, wow, this is going to be so cool. And then he like shows up, fights as a bad guy, and then in the span of three seconds becomes a good guy and is and saves all, all those buddy people. Buddy. He saves all those people in the and van, is all yeah. buddy buddy. And you're like, where did this come from? Yeah. This was like terrible. I remember I remember cuz you wrote the reviews for Falcon and the Winter Soldier last semester. Yeah. And I remember you in the your last review writing about that and how you're like it's just completely like it doesn't make sense. changes. And I think yeah, on a level you are right. It's it's such an extreme situation that they put him in and then he does something really bad and then like two episodes later it's like okay, now he's doing good again. It's like how do you It just yeah, it felt very extreme. I think Marvel likes the idea of redeeming characters a lot mm-hmm. and so they do it a lot. Yeah. And they do it in situations where they don't have to. What I, which has made me appreciate this one more, is because they could have done this huge, like, even in the cinematography of it, mm-hmm. of how it looked, this huge like sacrifice of him dying and giving the rings. But it was very simple. Yeah, it was like he barely even moved, and yet you got the emotion so much more than this big spectacle. Yeah, of him giving up like the basically the thing that made him like a living god on this little planet. He didn't say any big speech or right. give a monologue or like do some dramatic like with an explode in a ball of fire. It was just a here, pointing buddy. his arms out. <laughs> exactly. A little like, <laughs> here you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that as well. I think what what led us into the spoiler section mm-hmm. is we're talking about the Mandarin. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. So Marvel fans out there will know that there once was a movie called Iron Man 3. Do you yeah. guys know of this movie? I'm not I, too familiar, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, am, I am familiar with Iron Man 3. Actually, what, uh-huh. another thing from earlier. Yeah. The, the phases, the like beginning oh, of yeah, phases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron Man 3 was the beginning of phase 2. 
Really? really? Iron Man 1 was the beginning of Phase 1. Iron Man 3 was the beginning of Phase 2. Uh-huh. Uh, Civil War Civil War was 3. Mm. And then technically Black Widow was 4. But I'm going to say Such a strange Shang-Chi. list of movies. Like it is. Start. It's a weird start. But then when you... Other than Iron Man 3... Civil War kind of Civil War makes sense because that that is the splitting up of the Avengers. It's a transition into a different time. And Iron Man makes sense. That was the beginning of it all. Yeah, that was that's the the classic. Iron Man three doesn't make sense because it's technically Iron Man three and and then then Thor: The Dark World, and then Winter Soldier. Ooh, and then Age of Ultron comes after that, right? It's Guardians, then Age of Ultron, then Ant Man, and that's the entirety of Phase Two. So Iron Man three was technically the start of. Phase two, and everyone yes. was very excited because the Mandarin, the Mandarin, was going to be the big villain. You'll never see him coming, or something. I <laughs> yeah, remember that trailer. yeah, that was the he trailer. Had that voice, because uh, Ben Kingsley, yes, was the Mandarin, and then the movie came out, and I think it's still considered one of the biggest disappointments of all time in Marvel. Yeah, when he turned out to be this bum, this and Trevor actor, <laughs> who was just pre- pretending to be. The Mandarin, and then the Mandarin was actually that. Was guy. actually Wenwu. Well, the in the. Do you remember in Iron Man three the end? Who's oh the, yeah, who's yeah. The main uh, bad guy. Kill, killing. Killian. Killian. Killing. And he like he like becomes this fire demon. Have you? Do you remember this? He like I'm trying to because he takes the the it's whole thing is like they have this serum that makes him like giant fire people who explode. And at the end, he like takes the serum and he becomes this fire person. But he wasn't and then the Mandarin. But at he that screams, point. "I am the Mandarin!" Oh, does he? Yeah, and it's so weird, weird and not good. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, they um in Shang Chi they make a joke about that. The dad does. The yes. dad does because he, he's he references. A guy impersonating him. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, yeah. yeah. Uh, impersonating him and how it's dumb because the entire world was afraid of an orange. Yeah, the Mandarin he, orange. That's right. That's because right. he was talking about his name. Yeah. Uh, and how, because Katie just gave him a fake name or something, which, could we talk about how, he never addressed that. I just realized that. He never addressed the fact that Katie gave him a fake name because he was acting like he knew. Yeah. But then he's like, nah, we're going to talk about something else. Anyway. Anyway. So, in Shang-Chi. Yes. They, they were trying to escape. And they hear this guy just mumbling to himself in a prison cell, mm-hmm. and it ends up being Ben Kingsley as yeah, Trevor. That's right. And he got captured because he tried to impersonate Wenwu, and then he ended up this. I don't. He was basically like a court jester yeah. for their, this terrorist organization. They like like the plays he puts on or something, so they like, didn't execute him. <laughs> exactly. That was that. And was then fun. he ends up being a main character throughout the rest of the story. He's which was weird. Basically, the reason they find the place they need to go to. Mm-hmm. Well, him and the the, what's the faceless the, the, the little animal, animal the Morris. Morris Morris Morris, <laughs> and he can talk to it somehow. Yeah, I honestly. I thought that was funny. That was really I funny. I thought it was ridiculous, and I was happy. I don't know. I res- I respected the ridiculousness of it. I love that he was like, wait, you can see him too? Because he thought he was crazy. <laughs> yeah. even though he's been talking to it for like <laughs> forever. Yeah. That was an unexpected moment, and it just did a good job to being unexpected and mm-hmm. like just making it funny, you know? I think it was really nice for like hardcore Marvel fans, mm-hmm. like for people who like I've seen all the movies because they made it so. Because I knew the second the guy started, he started talking, like, and you could hear his voice in the distance. I knew exactly who it was. Yeah. And it was just the most giddy moment for like the five seconds of him like walking in the room before the reveal. 
I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I know who it is, I know who it is. And it was such a great feeling. Yeah. I think it was a it was one of the best cameos, I think, mm. in a Marvel movie. Mm. I mean, if you don't count like the type of cameo that's like a Stan Lee cameo. Right. Yeah. But like a cameo where it's like a character comes in for a certain amount of time or whatever that you don't expect to be there. I think it's one of the best. Mm. I feel like a lot of cameos can have the potential to just be like, oh, look, it's that big character and they're in it for five seconds. But I liked how it was just like a, it was the Mandarin from Iron Man 3, like a character we haven't seen in like 10 years, maybe. And it was like, like completely useless. And like it was just a completely like a joke. And then he just shows up and he ends up being like one of the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that it worked well because it was just, they could do more with it and it wasn't just like, haha, it's. Nick Fury, you know him. Samuel Jackson, we paid him millions of dollars to be here. <laughs> like <laughs> our movie. Like that uh, Spider-Man, uh, the first Spider-Man uh, movie where Robert Downey Jr. got paid like $10 million for oh, 10 yeah. minutes of screen time. He shows up two times? Maybe Two three? times, I think. I think three. Movie. He like drives him somewhere, and then he shows up in his suit, and he's like, you don't deserve the suit if you're not mm-hmm. a man. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end when and he asks him he, to be a venture. Yeah. Yeah. All those glorious 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, what's next on the agenda? Yeah. I was thinking of mentioning the action in this movie. Sure. I think that needs to be talked about. And how amazingly choreographed and shot mm. and just dope the action is. Because it is good. I will go, I will right now, uh-huh. with the exception of... Captain America Winter Soldier and maybe Civil War. Mm. This is the best action that mm. I've seen in Marvel. It's gritty. Like the martial arts is like gritty. It's like hand to hand combat, which I think is something that Marvel has strayed away from. They did it they they went back to it a little in Falcon, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the production quality. Mm-hmm. And this is not the standard action movie action where the camera is on someone and then it cuts and it cuts and it cuts the and you hear a punch noise and oh you get punch the and there's yeah it's just long shots of mm-hmm. this guy basically being jackie chan like mm-hmm. it reminded me of like movies with like older movies with jackie chan like mm-hmm. the choreography and the skill he has as an actor mm-hmm. um, the guy who plays shang chi yeah like him alone and his the physical presence he conveys and like the stunts he does which I assume it's him because it's like a wide shot of him and you can mm-hmm. see his face. I was just, I was very impressed. Yeah, it and was amazing. it was amazing. just so cool to watch. I will say I was disappointed by the ending fight against uh, the dweller. The giant. The big, the big soldier. Giant demon. Yeah, the yeah. big demon Small at the guy. end. Right. I'm trying to look up the name. Sam, are you telling me that you were disappointed that this movie ended the same way that every other Marvel movie ends? With I a big was CGI disappointed battle? with the big CGI battle. But that's what mm-hmm. the fans want, Sam. Is that what the if fans want? If it wasn't want? what they wanted, then why would they keep giving it to us? <laughs> <laughs> because I I thought the Mandarin, Wenwu, mm-hmm. would be the final fight. Mm-hmm. So where they're fighting over the rings, mm-hmm. and like he, like Shang-Chi gets half of them, and like they're fighting. I thought oh, that gosh. would be it. Yeah. And now I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's a good and fight. It's a great fight. Yeah. Right, right. And then the monster comes busting out, and I'm like, oh, come on. Because then it turned mm-hmm. into your classic, like, mm-hmm. magic-type fight. Yeah. And I'm like, we get so much of that. Mm-hmm. And it, like, is counter to, like, the rest of the movie that I was like, it, it should have ended with just the fight with Wenwu. Okay, so just to uh, reiterate what you're saying, you're feeling that 
um, after the fight with Wen Wu, it should have just ended there. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll be honest, I agree with you. Okay. I really felt like, I'll be honest, when that whole fight was occurring, um, or I wasn't looking at my watch and just waiting <laughs> for it to be over. But you were in the sense that, in the sense that I was, you know, I the the fight between Shang Chi and Wen Wu, that should have been the finale. I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody wanted, and it happened. But then something else happened that we didn't really want. It, we basically just waited for it to pan out, I felt like. It didn't add much. Exactly. Like Other than showing that Shang-Chi is now like a super powerful dude. He's yeah. um, OP as heck. Yeah. Like, like other than <laughs> that. Drills which, a hole into that dragon's chest. <laughs> with, with rings. <laughs> which we could have gathered just from his fight with Wenwu. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty much all we got from that fight. Mm. I think the reason they felt like they had to include that is because they needed a reason for the dad to die that wasn't Shang-Chi killing, killing him. him. Mm. Which I can understand. There needed to be a reason for the dad to sacrifice himself and then Shang-Chi use his powers not just against his dad to use it as like a hero, um, like a superhero. But I agree with you. The, the movie I'm thinking of that reminds me of is Wonder Woman. The original one, like the the first one, not 1984. Right. Um, How the ending of that, it starts out as kind of this, because it's revealed that like something she thought was true isn't, and like she's having to change how she views everything. Mm -hmm. And that, I feel like, is a very interesting way to start to resolve a story. But then it basically devolves into, but also this is big Viking guy you have to kill now. And it's a big CGI battle for 15 minutes after something interesting. And I felt like that's what this movie was, where you had the fight I actually cared about, which was a father and his son, and them um, duking it out. And it was very emotionally investing, Mm. and you, like, feel for both of the characters, and you want Shang to win, but you also are worried, like, how is this going to turn out? What is he going to do? Is he going to be going to, like, kill his father? Um, And then it ends, and then, you know, they had to, I guess justify a reason for Shang to show he's a superhero now. So right. I, I mean, very much that whole thing was built so that fight could exist. And because that was built for that fight to exist uh, between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu, once that fight ended, they still had to resolve it. How How is this going to affect Marvel movies in the future? So I think the first one has really changed the whole nature of the MCU. You think? Yeah. In what way? In what way? Yeah. Explain. Well, I think the fact that Wong apparently is amazing at karaoke Mm. really changes how i view all of marvel i honestly had to take some hours after just to process right right the implications of that scene um it was fun being sincere i really like that end credit scene yeah what did you guys think i think it's because it they did end it with like it being very funny yeah but before that, with the council between Wong and Bro, Captain I completely Marvel. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just doing karaoke. But yes, yeah, the there are implications. Between Wong and Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner, and then yeah. talking about the moment uh, he used the rings, Yeah, it like sent out, it was sending out this beacon to, to something, but no one knows where. Yeah. So that has endless possibility right have like is that right. going to call the big bad of this next phase mm-hmm. or is it calling an ally is it related to eternals at all in some way that's another thing. Was in the yeah. trailer for that recently they mentioned some sort of beacon thing but they said it was like the the what's it called the blip when everyone comes back 
after mm. Thanos' snap. Yeah. They mentioned that in the new trailer. Like, that's what's causing something. and Something to happen. Yeah. And also that end credit scene of the first one very much brought us back into the bigger picture. Because we were experiencing, you know, this, this somewhat micro plot mm. in the chasm that is the Marvel Universe. And it just brought us back and they're like, hey, you know, this is, this is Marvel. We got Bruce, <laughs> you know? We got, we got the gang. <laughs> Everyone's back. And you're, you're now a part of this. Yeah, for sure. So there's that one. And then the second and one. Then the and then the second, second one, one Which I think is the most interesting, in my opinion. In what yeah. way? In what way? So it, the second one is basically Shaoling taking over the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. which contrasts with what Shang-Chi said near the end of the movie, where he said his sister was going to dismantle like, it. Dismantle it, yeah. And, like, finish it off. Mm-hmm. Um, like, as a way to, like, end their father's rule or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you see her take it over. And then, like, at the end of every Marvel thing, where it says, like, blank will return, instead of saying Shang-Chi will return or Katie will return or whatever, it specifically says the Ten Rings mm-hmm. will return. Disney Plus series? Question A mark? Possible. Possible. <laughs> so I was I was looking at all the Phase 4 movies that are coming out. Yeah. And trying to think, like, will the Ten Rings be something that resolves itself this phase mm. or will it be something that they save um like how powerful is Xiaoling to be a threat mm. something i thought about was maybe the hawkeye series like oh, the yeah. ten rings maybe being in that though i know there's already like speculations about who the villains are for that so hawkeye seems like the best fit the best fit just yeah. in terms of a pairing of a hero in the villain right. villains exactly yeah so that's int- it's interesting to think about like what they're saving it for because it's weird th- it was very intentional for them to save Zhao Ling oh yeah as a villain because Zhao Ling was a hero the entire movie pretty mm-hmm. much with yeah. the exception of the beginning where she like was like you're a bad brother I'm not gonna help you and then like five minutes later is like I'm gonna help you anyway yeah <laughs> but other than that she's character a character yeah. yeah she's yeah, a hero yeah. the whole movie yeah so why why switch her basically off camera? Hmm. That scene, it kind of just left me confused a little bit because it was this weird mixture of like ominous, but also she's like, let's get started. And then like the rap music kicks in mm-hmm. and it was like, oh my gosh, slay queen. And I was like, <laughs> okay, what is... And there's the graffiti now yeah, all over this like ancient I was like, temple. Bro, this looks so hip. <laughs> Do they have a coffee shop here I can stop by? I just... I was kind of confused because it was this weird mixture of like, oh, this is supposed to be cool because right. like her character, part of what they mentioned is she like wasn't allowed to train with Shang-Chi like the, mm-hmm. uh, because she was a girl right. and they like treated her differently. Right. And then and they brought now, the integration. Yeah. And yeah. then they, that now um, she's the one in power. So that's like a growth. It's an arc for her. Mm-hmm. But then it was also like, almost like she's doing no. something wrong. Yeah. But yeah. Implications for the future. The Ten Rings will return. It has been foretold. Thank you guys for joining me, Josh and Sam. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Katie's our audio editor. She's going to help cut this thing down a little bit, make it sound nice and pretty. Thank you to Professor Gilbert. This is his setup we were using. It's very nice. Um, If you liked what you heard, subscribe. I think this is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you get your podcast from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Ben Hyatt, and this is the Cedars A and E podcast. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Let's say bye to everyone on the, on the listener world. Bye. Goodbye. Okay,